All right, everyone. This is Grace. You are listening to In Loving Color, Dating While Black. And this is season two, y'all. So season two is already popping. We've had some great guests on there. And the trend continues, okay? So I am so excited to introduce my new friend who is from Brooklyn, New York. I know some of you listeners are all about repping your borough, especially you New Yorkers. So I'll make sure I talk about where she's from because I know it's important. And we've got Chantel and she lives in Washington, D.C., which, you know, the nation's capital where people are taxed without representation, but we won't, I digress, we won't go there. But she is an advocate for folks and for the expansion of affordable housing resources. And she manages communications for an organization that focuses on advancing racial justice through policy systems, institutional, community, and societal change. I'm gonna pause right there because we all know that, you know, this is being recorded here in June, 2020. And we're in a very pivotal time. So I think that we need to give a big up for her because folks who are working and have been working at the forefront of social change, I think that that is so vital and so important at every time and every moment in our history, but especially this one. So I just want to give a big shout out and a big thank you for folks who are already focused on that. I appreciate it, Shanti. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, to also plug her before we get the convo going, she's a co-founder, cause you know, hashtag boss lady. And she co-founded the Woman Up Dinner with her sister, which is super cute to me, but you know, I digress again. And it is a group that's really focused on organizing events and connecting and celebrating women across fields. So no focus on, you know, particular industry or anything like that, just a beautiful place for women identifying folks to come together. And in her spare time, she got YouTube videos, y'all. So these videos are about beauty, fashion, lifestyle, and you already know sis's hair is on point. Got that natural flowing. Okay, so y'all need to go straight on to that little YouTube channel and y'all need to act like you know something. And I want y'all to support and check out and as well as identifying the handles that are gonna be useful for you. So I'm already here on her YouTube and it's gonna be Chantel Shanti. So C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E, capital C-H-A-N-T-I. So get here on this YouTube channel so that you can be sure to see what's going on and where it's going on. It's really important for us to, I always wanna plug everybody because it's really important for us to support each other um, regardless of how you identify, if you date not dating, you black, you not black. I think we just know it folks. And the woman um, up dinners. Don't forget to check that up out. Um, and then also, last but not least, you can go to at women womaning, which is w o m e n w o m a n i n g, and that is going to be the Instagram handle to see how other women are being uplifted and supported and featured. And I know that was a lot. I did a long plug. I don't care. I really think it's important to support other people who especially spend their time supporting other people, okay? So with all that in mind, Chanty, did I miss anything? No, that was perfect. I'm blushing over here. Thank you so much <laughs> for that introduction. Thank you. Um, I'm just so great to have the opportunity and 
check this stuff out if you guys would like. And I'm just grateful to have this conversation. Ready to jump into it. All right, let's go. So today, y'all, we are talking about everybody's favorite subjects. By everybody, I mean every Black woman in the universe. And by every Black woman in the universe, I mean every Black mother, grandmother, grandfather, and uncle and auntie in the universe. And that subject is marriage. Okay? And that wasn't mirage. That was marriage. <laughs> we're talking about marriage today. A, because I think it's, I think it's, you know, a subject matter that is on the minds of a lot of people, especially folks over the age of like 30, if you're from the South, which is where I was raised, and folks over the age at 19. And, you know, marriage is complicated. And when we were offline, Chanty and I were talking about many things. She's a wonderful conversationalist, so I already know her YouTube channel is going to be popping. Anyways, I digress again. Let me get back on track. We were talking about what some of our aspirations were when we were younger, specifically around partnership, specifically around commitment, and made a comment that is what inspired the conversation we're about to have today. And the comment was around how, you know, in the earlier part of her youth, because we both still young, young until you're 99, yeah. she wasn't so sold on marriage. And so, Chanty, I want you to talk a little bit about that, like what your thoughts were about marriage, how you felt about them, and at what point they began to evolve or change. Yeah, so, yes, I was raised and I bring this up because that really set the tone for me, especially growing up was um, I was raised with four parents. So I have step parents and I have my biological parents. And from since I can remember, as young as I can remember, they were all in my life and they've all had a hand in raising me. And so when I have growing up with that dynamic and seeing them raise me in such a way that was like collaborative too, like there was never any, like I never felt unloved by any of them. They all loved me so much, which was like a blessing in my eyes. And so because I had that family dynamic, I think from the beginning, I was just like, well, you know, the, the traditional marriage that um, people kind of aspire to didn't really resonate with me much because it just wasn't something that I was living in. I was living in this, again, like my parents had partners and they all kind of raised me. Um, and so I thought to myself when I was growing up that I just had this more, what I, what I claim to be a more realistic view was like, okay, maybe by the time I'm 20, I'll meet some guy I really like, and um, I'll probably have a couple babies with him, and then we'll probably try to work it out, you know, for some time, and maybe it won't, and then I'll like move on to somebody else, and it'll be okay, and so I kind of had this vision of like, you know, I'd have many lovers in my life and that was kind of what I, what I thought was going to be my life or thought what, what it is that I wanted um, or maybe what I thought was realistic at the time. But I was also never a person who was just like, I can't wait to have a big wedding and have the dress and the people. I just was never really about any of that. And so that was my idea. That was what I wanted when I was younger. I knew that I wanted kids um, and I thought that I would have kids much younger. So I was just like, oh, that's, I know that for a fact, that's what I want. Um, but I, I didn't really think of the relationship as the bigger part of it. it. For me, it was like, I knew I wanted to be a mother. I wasn't sold on really being a wife. And so that's the way that I just kind of walked in the world um, until I got older and I started to shift into a more, I guess, traditional sense of what marriage is. Yeah, you know, I think you're saying something that definitely resonates with me as well. 
I, you know, my parents have been together for a very long time. They've been married for, um, I think they're at, my brother is 38. So they've been married mm-hmm. 39 years and they've been together for like 41 or something like that. And I just always, interestingly enough, like I just wasn't that kid who was like, I'm going to be married. Even though I was raised in like the rural South in a place where, you know, little girls grow up practicing their wedding day from the moment they can walk and they play wedding as an activity of yeah. fun. You know what I'm saying? So I think I was mm-hmm. socialized to be gravitating towards that path, but I always was a little divergent in that way. Not because I held any kind of animosity towards the concept of marriage, but the way that my parents, I would say, programmed me to see marriage is they really wanted me to focus on how serious marriage was. Not because they thought people didn't perceive it to be serious, but they were always like, marriage is hard. And so I never had this like fantastical notion of like one day Prince Charming or for some other people, Princess Charming, whoever, or non-binary person who's charming, you know, whatever your preferences are. I never thought like that was going to be who showed up, enhanced my life greatly, and we would get married and it would just be it. I always, I used to say this and I say it and now I really believe it more than anything now that people stuck in their houses is you gotta be with your best friend. So whomever your best friend is, that needs to be the kind of person you are marrying or with permanently if you do a permanent Mm -hmm. kind of partnership. And as I've gotten older, I've begun to see, I don't even want to say the benefits of marriage. I've just begun to see why people gravitate towards marriage. And the thing that my parents, especially my mom has said in the past to me, shout out to my mom. Hey ma, is that marriage is a business. She always said that she was like, you know, your father and I are in the business of being married. And she was like, the marriage certificate is our contract with one another that keeps us working Mm -hmm. towards this marriage, right? And when she framed it like that, because I was one of them kids that I was writing business contracts for my parents to sign, I was like, oh, a business contract, right? So then my ears perked all the way up. I was like, can there be money made from this? I was very curious. But it, it was one of those things. It's really, that has stuck with me. And I think that like even people whose marriages maybe don't work out and then they go on to marry other people or partner with other people, the ones that are successful still carry that same sort of nugget of truth of marriage or long-term permanent partnership as a contract. And when we spoke last week, something that I was talking about, and we'll see if I get brave enough to mention names to name names, because you don't want nobody turning suing me for libel or nothing, (laughs) is how in the media, especially with, you know, famous people, celebrity athletes, there has been an uptick of very visible Black or, you know, Black identifying, some maybe of mixed racial heritage background, but also are still Black, folks, especially women, marrying outside of their race. And marrying, and these women have been women who have been with prominent Black men of the community who maybe as an outsider will be like, well, this person seems like a person who is like, you know, pro black woman, supportive of a black woman, appreciates a black woman, et cetera. 
and we'll see that these individuals will date or court publicly. So it's not like I'm outing anybody for a long time, but then they won't get married. And then we'll see these black women and these black men dissolve their union, consciously uncouple as our girl Gwyneth Paltrow told us. And then we'll see these black women pop back up in a couple months, couple weeks, never a couple years, cause they've been moving quickly out here in these streets with a new non-black partner, usually white, and soon thereafter a baby. And you know, it got me thinking. I think interracial relationships are perfectly fine. I think that they're acceptable. I think that they're beautiful. I think that it's beautiful to be with someone of your race. I think it's beautiful to be with someone outside your race. I frankly like don't care what people do um, as long as there is respect and safety there. But it did kind of get me a little bit curious because I know that when I talk to some of my black male friends, a lot of them, if they're not already married or already permanently partnered, they are, I don't want to say adverse to marriage, but they're like, it's going to take something really special for me to get married. Like, why would I get married? And I'm like, why are you dating? If you don't hope to be in a long-term relationship and to commit, what you dating for? So I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. Like, what are we dating for if we not get married, right? So in the past, when you were more of the, I'll be partnered for a bit, I'll become a mother, maybe, you know, the person I'm with, and I will work out, maybe not and then we'll transition and maybe I'll find another partner. Like for you, when you were in that mindset, what was dating about? For me, when I was in that mindset, I think d- dating was more of like, I think I just saw them as if I could meet someone that could meet me at this point in my life where we can gel well, then we'll do whatever we're intended to do in that period of time. And then I have to be free to allow myself to be okay if things don't work out. So I think when I was thinking in that framework, I wasn't really thinking of like an everlasting. I was just very convinced that like it's, it might, it, it's probably more likely that this might be temporary. So let me create the mindset that, that allows for that. So if this crumbles, I'm not completely broken apart. And at the time, again, I didn't really know what it was about marriage that made it so important or made so many people want to strive to be in in marriage. So for me, it was just like, well, let me look at the reality. And in my reality and in realities around me, there's not a lot of couples that are staying together. So I was just like, all right, so to protect my heart, let me just make sure I know that now. (laughs) And when I go out in the world and I'm dating, it was mostly like, I like you now and we work right now and I feel appreciation and love for you right now. And hopefully as we keep going in this life, we will always like, we will always choose each other. But I do think that there was a part of me that like, if I had met the guy in high school and we we wanted to work it out for life, I would be done with that. I wasn't necessarily like completely like, I want to be with different people for the rest of my life. I actually, if that was, you know, my life being with one person, met him in high school, we were sweethearts, kind of did life together, the whole shebang, that is probably what I would have been the most comfortable with. But because I was again sold during this time period that like that wasn't really a reality, um, 
I kind of just said, well, let me create the cushion that I need and just kind of work through life that way. So that's really what I was thinking. But then as I've gotten older, I've dated a lot. I've done the, the casual thing. I've done the serious thing. I've had my heart broken. I've put in so much into a person and, and been, you know, disappointed. And I was just like, you know what? I, I don't know if I am. I think it was a realization in myself for the things that I wanted. Like I do want someone that's going to choose me at the end of the day. And I want that to be a value that we both have. And then more importantly, what really made me think about it was when I read the Bible. I had never read the Bible. I was never a person who's religious. I won't consider myself religious now. I am a follower of Christ. And so when I started to read the Bible and I started to see how God talked about marriage, which is not a fluffy way of talking about marriage. God does not give us this Disney marriage. He's Amen. <laughs> honest about how, <laughs> how marriage is. And he really explains it in a way of like a covenant. So we're really doing this partnership thing to enhance the glory that he's given us and to bring glory to his kingdom. And so it's not supposed to be this, this, this easy ride. It's going to be difficult. But for me, if my marriage is centered in the faith in God, I would like a man that fears God. Cause I think that when you fear God, you start to operate in that accountability that is greater than ourselves and who we are as human beings. So um, I, I would like a man who fears God. And I think that that is where the foundation of my marriage would be. And me understanding that I'm not really doing this for the purpose of myself. I am doing this for a greater glory. And I know that that may not resonate with a lot of people now because there's a lot of different ideas now. And so, but that is where I started to come back in terms of thinking more in a more traditional sense and realizing for myself that I do want to live life with somebody where we're continuously choosing each other even throughout the difficult times like because you're gonna have as much as i've been pouring myself out to people and i think that i had to fall in love one time really good to actually realize how much i had given in that situation and to not have like that commitment to be together forever i was just like well there's a lot more at stake if for this to be casual <laughs> right <laughs> I like my heart is broken. I didn't work so hard to be in this thing. Like it didn't work out. Like there was so much of me that I'd given to my, to be given in this relationship that I think it just also raised the stakes. Like for me, it's not something that is like, is, that is a casual thing. Not, not something that I can treat as like in this, the framework that I had before where it was just like, yeah, we'll just kind of walk through life. And again, if it doesn't work, it'll be fine to me. I just think that there's a lot more there. And just thinking in terms of my children, I do want my kids to have um, a father figure in the household to 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 have that um, to have that relationship in the household. I think that for me, it would honestly be helpful in thinking of just how I want the partnership. So I think for my kids, for me to show up as my best self, it would be easier for me to have someone to lean on too, right? Like instead of it only being me. Um, and so that's why I also think about it in that way too. Like, you know, I want the kids to just see a dynamic where there's two people if, and, and I literally like, you know, I've, I have like so many nieces and nephews. I know that it's so difficult to raise kids. It's like a different part of yourself that you're giving to a kid every day. And I, and I just see that for me being so helpful if I could be in a partnership with someone to help me with that, because I know that that's, that takes so much um, of who we are as humans to do that work. And so that's, that's what I like that. That's a lot of 
that's a lot of transformation I have had over the years. But I would say what sparked it was reading the Bible. And then I really had to do some real questions within myself about what I really wanted. Um, and I think that when we, when we talk about um, the way people date today, I think they just might be in that, again, that that temporary framework where they don't want to necessarily throw all their eggs in one basket, where, again, we have so many unlimited options now. It's like, you know, if I can just go out and find someone new tomorrow, like maybe that person will be better. Cause I do have a lot of these conversations too with people where you may be dating somebody and you're just like, oh, that's cool. But like these things about this person irritate me. I wonder if I can like do better, right? Like there's, there's always like that grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. Like we fight over these things. Like, it, like, are you like the person I should be with? Like if we keep fighting over this or, you know, like that kind of conversation. And so I think that that's also something that people think about, like, you know, can they do better? Are they missing out on someone better? And I think that, you know, the way that we've created, the way that society is going now, it's like, it, it does foster that thinking in some type of way because we do have apps. People are just more accessible to us and the 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 equal push to also have things casual like is is there too like people are just like you know go out and date have like have multiples have your fun things like that and so when you're coming against those kind of ideas as well it kind of makes it just like okay to like do this kind of casual dating for a while and not really settle like if you know i guess if, if you don't really have to make the commitment then a lot of people may choose Why not would you? to because exactly. it's, it's a, it's a, like you said, your parents always talked about it as a serious one and it is a serious one. Like, and I think that if you're coming into marriage, we both have to understand that this is serious. Like I expect for you to, to be here for me through life. Like, right. and we're not always going to like each other. You, you are going to come through with this knowledge. You are inevitably going to get on my nerves. Like, Hello? Inevitably. <laughs> and someone like me who loves to live alone, like, I can't even imagine what's going to happen when I, when I live with someone else. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to on that so much. <laughs> I, think I, you, I think you're hitting on, like, every key point I want to address. So I want to... I want to, I'm not even going to say call it, it's not even pushback or playing the other side. I'm about to, I'm about to affirm everything you just said, <laughs> generalize it just a little bit. Cause I think you are on point. Like, I think that what you're saying is 10,000% true, but it, once again, it's my version of the truth as well as your version of the truth, right? There yes. is a version of the truth that is different than the truths that we are espousing in this moment. I'm going to, I'm going to pause for just one second. I'm going to okay. go put my dog in his all right, so we're back, and um, you said so many good things, friend. I just let me start at the top about the religion piece. I know not all of our listeners will prescribe to a religion. Um, some people may, you know, be atheistic, agnostic, may be scientific. You know, sometimes, as my father says, science can become your religion, which is cool too. But I think what most people, I think that the piece of this that is universal is this idea of folks being on the same page. And if what's big in your identity is religion, then this becomes the cornerstone or a big proportion of your relationship, right? The same way some people's relationships are built of the love of business or money making. Some people's relationships are anchored in physical fitness or outdoors activities. Some people's relationships are, are anchored in a sexual connection, right? There, you, you can anchor your relationship in whatever you want. 
Now I am single. Let me go ahead and put that out here in these streets so the universe can hear and bring me my man. But as a single person watching other people's relationships, because I'm a watcher as well, I've been shocked and confused and and just overall just super concerned about the way in which people approach relationships based on what I've seen and how my parents have informed how I see relationships. So what I mean by that is you hit a lot of things on the head that I think a lot of folks are not speaking about, thinking about, focusing on. One of those being how we show up in ourselves and what we expect from someone else. And when you anchor in something as I think deep as spirituality or spiritual practice, it gives you something outside of you. When you anchor in an activity or a hobby or just preference, I think it's not stable enough. It's not deep enough. It's not, um, it's too ego driven. And I think a lot of people are in relationships, especially marriages that are driven by ego. They either had a checklist item they need to check off, like get married on Tuesday afternoon in that park I really like that I've been looking at for four years that I signed up to give me that wedding venue um, 18 months ago and put the deposit down on. Those of you who are listening, who know who you are, you know who you are. You are. And then there's those folks who they got married just because, well, it seemed like the thing to do. They're like, well, we've been together for seven, eight years, blah, blah, blah. It was just a natural transition. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What I know is whoever ends up being my f- permanent partner forward slash husband, if he ever say it just seemed like the thing to do, I'm going to drive him to the courthouse myself and get them divorced. Because what I don't ever want anyone to say is it seemed like the thing to do. Marriage, and even I think dating, is about being serious. You know, when I was a little girl, my parents told me something that just ruined my life. Um and I talked to my therapist about this from time to time. And what they said is I wasn't allowed to date until I was supposedly 21. But when I was 17, I negotiated to have it brought down to 19 because it seemed. Oh, look at you. Negotiating it. <laughs> I know. I was, yeah, I was, a, I was a, a, a young business person. I had to get up in there. Okay. I probably drew up a contract with me. And I was like, um, parentals. Hey, I, I was like, I'm going to be 18 soon. Can't I date? And they're like, no, no, you can't because what you dating for. So I was that person who I wasn't allowed to have a play boyfriend. I wasn't allowed to, like, they're like, if you have a male friend you want to go to the movies with, you're 16, you can drive, like, you can go to the movies with this person. But what he not about to be is your boyfriend. And if you want to come over here and, like, meet us and, like, eat with us, like, he's welcome. My parents were like, mm-hmm. you are welcome to come here. And you welcome to like go out with your friends and maybe they will show up and you'll see them. That's cool. But we're not going to have play boyfriends. And my mom said point blank plainly to my face. What do you need a boyfriend for? She said, are you ready to get married? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, dating and having boyfriends and girlfriends are for people who are ready to be married. Well, look at mama. (laughs) Like I was shooketh. She was like, and since you are like 16 and clearly not ready to be married, what you look like with one of these boyfriends? I said, yes, ma'am. And even though I think that in that moment, maybe I was a little salty because all my little friends was dating or whatever, 
I am so grateful for that moment because I think what it allowed for me to do, I think that there's a balance here, right? I think that, I think that people experimenting with like having crushes, dating, understanding boundaries in a safe way when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, I actually advise that. I think that that is a good age to start dating actually, right? So I disagree with my parents in that regard. But what I agree with them on is this idea that why are you dating? if all you're going to be doing is just having fun. Their argument was go out and have that fun. Go to the movies, meet them at the park. They, they were like, you're not, you're not locked in this house in a dungeon somewhere. You see these people. So if you like this person, spend time with them, but you don't need to label it. And it's not gonna become something that transitions into a physical relationship because you're not old enough for any of that. And I think that that's because they were coming at it from the same angle you talk about where marriage as a covenant marriage is an agreement of i mean because some of the people in the bible had multiple spouses so we can't even say two people but marriage as an understanding between adults on what the relationship includes and i think that part of the reason that people are wary to be married i think it's twofold i think one is because you know divorce rates are rising all over the place personally i feel like divorce rates have always been high but maybe that's just me and i think that a lot of folks are so busy living in ego when it comes to their relationships that they're not treating marriage as what it needs to be. Um, I'm a monogamous crusher. If I have a crush on somebody, I am not, I, I struggle to have casual crushes on multiple people. I never even have crushes because I'm never compelled. I'm like, oh, they seem nice. They cute. Like, yeah, whatever. But I'm never so impressed with someone that I'm usually like, yes, must spend more time. And then when I do and I see that they're not willing to get serious about anything, I'm like, well, is this going to be something? Oh, it's not? Okay, goodbye. That doesn't mean that I haven't had my flings and haven't had my heart broken, haven't whatever. But at this point in my life, with between you and my student loans, and, you know, and my dog who barking in the back, like I just, I, I'm busy. I'm busy and I'm fulfilled. And if we're going to spend time together, I too am the same way. I love living alone. I love uh, my space. I love the contemplative nature of a solitary life. And if I'm trading that in, I want to be trading that in for someone who refines me, another soul who pushes me, who enhances me, who encourages me, who challenges me. And I have found that sometimes when you are in a casual agreement, no one has an obligation to do those things because you know it's just for fun. And I'm one of those people, I struggle with casual fun. I'm, I don't go to brunches casually. I don't meet people up for dinner casually, even before coronavirus. Like I just am not always great at like group socialization or constant socialization. So it's overwhelming for me, but I'm very good at it. So people think I enjoy it, but I'm like, that's why you're not going to see me again for another 18 months. Cause I done come yeah. to one house party. Yeah. So I'm done for the year. Right. Mm -hmm. For folks who are oriented in that way, which I know you are, I am, I know some other folks who are, casual dating becomes a challenge because we are of the tribe of no chill. So what I mean by that is if I'm like, I like you, I want to cook a meal for you. I want us to go on walks. I want us to be talking on the phone. I want us you to- know me. Together. You know me. That's it. I want to like, I, I want, like, I want be FaceTiming. 
I, you know, I want to like, I want to see, like, I want you to tell me about your hopes and your dreams. I want us to be camping, looking at stars. I want you to tell me about your business plans. I want to see your, your P&L sheet. I want to see if I can refine um, any part of your business model. Like, I, I'm one of those people, I, I, I have no chill. I don't know how to show up beyond 145%. Like that's my operating percentage. And so because I know that about me, I know that that is like partner behavior. So I always say I'm of a personality type and a disposition that I think that even though I've not been in a long-term partnership, that is where I naturally gravitate towards because I am a great friend. I pride myself on bringing that energy into my friendships. Yes. Yes. And back to what I said a little while ago, people need to be with their best friends. I see so many people who are so lukewarm on their partners, which is why they're always thinking maybe something is better that's out there. I have friends that I've had for you know years and years and years, and our friendship only gets better and better and better. Doesn't mean we don't fight. Doesn't mean they don't get on my last damn nerve. Doesn't mean that I'm not like, we need a break. I'm going to talk to you in four days. But what it means is my life is exponentially better with them in it than without them in it. And if I, you know what I'm saying? And when I have a feeling that like a friendship I've had for a long term isn't serving me, I want to always revisit it and say, am I serving you? Is this beneficial for you because sometimes when we feel like we don't have needs being met when we talk to the other person they feel the same way and usually it's about the same stuff mm. so we both are in a, in a place of lack about those things and so I always I feel like what you're saying I mean I'm the kind of person who it takes so much for me to like someone I don't grow weary like I can some I can think back to like my third grade crush because I've had like five crushes in my whole entire life and I still think fondly of that dude because you know because even as a kid I was like this is a kind person and I like his energy mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. so as that kind of personality I understand that not everyone is like that but I don't sit in a place of regret when I make a choice I make a choice even if it's literally about the brand of shoes I'm always going to buy for the next 15 <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm one of those people, I, be, I, I, I commit without knowing all the time. And a lot of folks are out here committing without knowing to people who are never going to commit to them. And I also want to address what we talked about offline briefly about what is the spiritual, psychological socio-historical element of marriage in the Black community. And um, as marriage continues to, 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 I think, in most societies, to change and to, I, I hate to use a negative word, but it feels like to deteriorate, not in the quality of marriage, but in the concept of how we approach or think of marriage. So we got some alarming statistics that we have got to talk about, right? And one of them is, and this, all these stats are coming from blackdemographics.com. And this is a, they pull a lot of census data and, you know, you know, supplementary data. And in 2016, only 29% of African-Americans were married. Now, my friend, do you want to guess what this is compared to for like the greater American population? What? 48%. So in 2016, when 48% of all Americans were married, only 29% of African Americans were married. I want that to just sit a little bit because that's a, a good like 21% difference, okay? 
And then half of, or 50% of all African Americans have never been married as compared to 33% of all Americans. So we got some numbers, these, these numbers are low, because technically it's about 50% of Americans are married, 50% of them have never been married. Sounds about right, right? Like 50-50. But for us, we're working with like a 30-30. With like a, a yeah. And, and, and I always, you know, I'm a sociologist, and anthropologist as my first love. That's who I identify as being in, you know, my academic life. And it made me want to, you know, as they say in circles, double click on that. <laughs> and especially with kind of the prompt I started off with earlier, right, where we're seeing this phenomenon of Black celebrity women marrying non-Black mm -hmm. men after having been in long, long-term committed relationships with Black men. And, and if we look at these numbers, one has to ask, well, if someone wants to be married, especially a Black female-identifying person, as we both are, what does that mean for who our prospects are even going into this desire? And, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about like the female perspective on this, there are quote unquote fewer black women who are now married and um and there and more black women have than black men have been married at least once. So a lot of black women are either currently unmarried or have been married and are divorced and or widowed. And so a lot of people may have this desire or have already even attempted to be married and now they're divorced. Whereas, you know, half of Black women have also never been married. Statistically, in 2016, it was 48% of Black women have never been married. Whereas in 2008, it was 44%. And in 2005, it was 42.7%. And so, you know, I, statistics is what it's just numbers contextualized i always say it's it's the story behind the math but i wonder how much of this also has to do with the incarceration rate amongst black families in the u.s and the history of disjointed families as a result of the transatlantic slave trade and the buying and the selling and the forced marriage in order to create families that were then bought and sold as a means of revenue for um, slaveholders around the globe, not just in the Americas, but especially in the Americas. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, something we talked about offline that I think is related, even if people don't, is this idea of generational trauma mm -hmm. and how yeah. this trauma encodes itself in our societal norms and becomes this element of expected behavior or even subconscious action and potential sabotaging that we do or engage in without realizing it. And I've been thinking a lot about that in the way in which we approach marriage and 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 some of the casual nature we have in regards to marrying within the black community 
and or desire to marry within our community. And even though I'm sure someone's written about this, I'm sure somebody studied this, I'm sure I'm not, you know, the first, second, third, fourth, 10,000th person to discuss this, <laughs> but it makes me wonder what's driving us, right? Where are we going as a collective? Where did we come from? And what does the absence of that narrative and how we approach an everyday function like dating? I just, I don't know if like when white people go to date, it's this deep for them or when our, you know, you know, when our Asian brothers and sisters go to date or our non, um, our non-Black Latinx folks go to date, it's this series for them. Whereas when I talk to Black women about this, a lot of Black women have thought about this. When I talk to Black men about this, not all of them have thought about this. So I always think, okay, that's interesting, right? A lot of women are socialized to overanalyze, to think deeply, to second guess. So I think our socialization is hardwiring us to do something a little different, right? Because, well, society puts its norms on you and sometimes you observe them, sometimes you don't. But I'm curious, like, what's your personal opinion about this? Like, do you think about these kinds of statistics when you start to date? Do you find them to be informative or discouraging? And how does that make you kind of recontextualize your desire or your um, walk towards a married long-term partnership? So you said a lot of things. You said a lot of things. I'm actually gonna, on the funny note, I will take the, what did you, you called it the no chill. What, whatever framework you just said about the no chill, I'm gonna need that so that I can put that on my dating profile so that people know <laughs> That's why I am. Um, but she said a lot of things and a lot of things of importance. So there is a lot of stuff that goes into this. And in our previous conversation, we did talk about generational trauma because I think that sometimes we do lack that. Like even talking about where we are right now, sometimes we don't connect that some of the behaviors that we do have are conditioned from a slavery, like from our, from our generations that have been enslaved um, and not knowing where we were before then. And so there's so much pieces, but we, we talk about the family during slavery times and how at that time the family was broken. I mean, you could be sold off here. Kids could be sold off there. There was a different level of what protection meant for black people during this time. There was a difference in, in survival was, was literally key and literally you can see it every day um, as you're, you know, being stripped away. You're not even seen as a human being. and so the protection level, the, the, the need for family was just really taken from Black people. And um, again, we were brought into lands that were foreign to us, that we, we have no idea what these lands are. We don't know these lands. Um, and so then we get to other time periods in, in our history where, you know, you do see the Black families striving and Black family um, coming together. You have kind of the civil rights era where you have a growing number of people who are recognizing their blackness are trying to relate with their blackness. You have other movements going on, but there are um, visuals of the black family and what we were at least trying to achieve at that time. Again, you have to be kind of realistic with these things too, because creating the black family at that time too also was very, very relational to what we saw as what white people have as families. Um, and so you have to put in that element as well. Coming into a more modern sense of when we think about these things, we have to include that there has been an agenda to place a lot of black men in prisons. We have to 
acknowledge some of the ways that even our social programs kind of condition the way our families are. Like for some programs, it depends on how much money is in the home that may make you feel as though you may want to, um, it might be better for you not to put someone down um, so that you can get the benefit because you need the benefit. So there's that stuff as well that goes into a lot of these things that we talk about. But as well as people being on the other side, we do see that there are Black couples who do get married. There are still Black families, like they are there. Um, what I will say as a Black woman who is dating, do I think about those things when I go into dating? Not necessarily. I try to open myself up. I have always been open to dating people of different races and so I had never kind of kind of put myself in like a box of I'm only going to date black men I I can be honest to say that when I visualize my family and my partner that isn't a black person um but um can I say that I limit myself no and when I think about dating in other races I think that my only part of contention is that I know that is going to particularly if he's a white man that we're going into, um, that we have to recognize race, especially for me, because I'm somebody who my race cannot be placed on the back seat. It is something that we have to address in our family. I know not a lot of people, not, I can't say not a lot of people. I know that there are some people where their race can be the, the back seat and they don't need to necessarily talk about it. That's why you do have, I think when we were having the conversation, we brought up a celebrity in which she was just like, yeah, I'm just having these conversations now. And we're just like, what do you mean you're just having these conversations now? Like, that can't be me. <laughs> you know, I have dated um, white men in the past and it's been the like the first thing, like, hey, you know, I'm black, right? <laughs> like, what are we gonna do about it? Like, you know, like I, I do bring it up. And so, and so um, I think that I recognize that um, there are different obstacles being a black woman. When you're going out and dating, I try not to make that the center focus. But what, what is now becoming even more harder is that um, when I'm a person who is a follower of Christ um, and God in the Bible, now I have an even smaller pool to kind of work with too because you know there's so many different beliefs out there, um, but I really want someone who connects with me in the way that I believe in God. And that is a very small pool as well. And so um, that, that which creates a different layer of dating for me. So um, when I hear these stats, I think that um, I hope that when Black women hear them, we don't feel that we can't find somebody. We may have to open ourselves up. I think that a lot of people are having that conversation now about like, hey, Black women, like, you know, maybe open you could be open to, to, to other races, but you also don't want to, I also don't want to tell people like, like if you want to date a black man, like you, I'm telling you that you have to date somebody else. That's not what I'm saying. But if possible, if you want to open yourself to other races um, and try to, I think, especially the things that you were saying before where it comes in terms of casual dating, we all have to also be very honest about what it is that we want and what we're looking for. And I don't even know if that is necessarily clear sometimes with even the way that a lot of us are, are going. I'm not sure if we're all kind of like thinking in the same way of like what, what we actually want in certain partnerships, because we've also framed a new term to kind of deal with what a lot of people started to deal with, which is like situationship. Like, Let's just call it a situation because we don't really know what, what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> so, it's, exactly. it's a situation, Jeff. <laughs> it's a situation. Um, 
a lot of people are just chilling in situationships and actually a lot of people are just mad and in situationships so it's i don't even know the point but um crazy the people who are like super unhappy in their relationships and yet they're like we're gonna keep going and we're actually gonna also get married but let me not get let me not digress too far yep yes yes so that's when i so that's when i think about these stats i think that there's real and honest stuff behind these stats that we definitely need to talk about more in the community like even i mean there's so much hurt here too like the way that we feel like our black men you can talk to i i don't necessarily ascribe to that they abandon us but there are people who really feel that black men have abandoned us that they've you know that they've been on this um outdate whatever race train way before we have and so um there has been a social conditioning to that too like we can't sit here and say that we don't see um certain people when they go up a certain way and they date somebody outside of their race or you know i've definitely been in situations where i might be in a in a in a group setting where you know uh, where i'm with like white people and they might be like oh i only date black men and i'm just like what <laughs> huh yeah. like how did that what's going on here like you know or black women that are just like well my preference is this and it's just like again you gotta you gotta see where that line is drawn like why did you have that preference so i think that there's a lot of things here that we definitely have to unpack and i don't think that we can like just say that these things aren't linked to any kind of generational trauma generational pain because there is a lot of that that goes into why we think certain things are, are a certain way to live or why we make certain choices it's not just that like unfortunately it's not like we just have this this um we just walk into life and and everything is just peachy and nothing has happened we know that not that is not true and so i think that sometimes we do try to deflect from these real issues um but they are very real and as a black woman um it's i do recognize in certain spaces that it is kind of hard like i've especially at this age sometimes the people who i see get married are are white like you know sometimes they're like married way before anybody that i knew got married like oh these people were married but like 23 like what, what's going on here like nobody i know is married like you know so I, I i think that um i definitely see those things play out in society um but i try not to let it hold me down and because of my faith i have to believe that God is sending me a person for me in my faith that's going to help me with with my faith with him like I have to believe in that so um yeah that's that's pretty much where I am with that no, I, you? I think, and I know because I know that you talked about it very specifically in our offline conversations like slavery times and I, I'm a big believer in generational trauma like I'm a big believer in the spiritual energy of generational trauma I just feel like Part of the reason um, we, as a, a people, sometimes have trouble being united together, unlike other racial groups. I think other racial and ethnic groups have a lot of joint unity. I think we don't because there's been a systematic play to keep us ununified. Whether it's in marriage, in business, it's in whatever. And every time we've tried to get together, someone has destroyed it whether it was yeah, like because yeah. like black wall street was just one tulsa was just one place where black communities were popping there were many other places right and mm -hmm. you know even the entire continent of africa there are pockets of places where historically africans 
in their own motherland have done really, really well. And then some sort of European invader, conqueror, has come in, divided the people, taken their resources, whether it was gold, bauxite, diamonds, whatever it might be. And then we have turned on one another in the name of profit or greed or whatever. And so I think that our community has struggled with unity for a very long time. And I think that the entity of marriage is just another example where we struggle with unity. And what I mean by that is, there, there, once again, I want to say up front, there is nothing wrong with interracial relationships. Some people might not agree. Some people might be like, black love only, whatever, whatever. It's always going to be black love only when I show up. So it doesn't matter who I love, I'm black. So it's black love only popping off on this side of the relationship. So point blank. But I also am not, I know some people who are hunting for folks of a different preference or race or whatever, because they want to have specific kinds of babies. They want some shade, some texture, some something. That's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And, and that's the kind of stuff that yes. we, we're, we know is true, but we try to skate around every time, even though it comes up every single every time. time. I mean, we even saw it within the protests, right? Like I was reading, you know, which is why I had to get off the social media because there was so much information that was just happening at one time. I had to like check out at some point. But I was hearing even from some black women that were just like, you know, why would, why should we step up? Like, you know, one day you love us, next day you don't, you like for us to be the warriors in your community, but when, when on the regular day, you don't really step up for us. And then there were some black men who were literally just kind of just like, hey, shut up. And like amplifying the white women that were showing up at the protest. Some of the signs too were a little cringy, like. I saw some signs with, with some white women that were just like, um, if I like Black D, I should show up like for this. Like it was just weird signs <laughs> that were also just like showing up. So it was, so these are the kind of things that again, it's like we tried that we know that exists, but I don't know if we, we always have a very sincere conversation about how that's, that impacts us today. I think I cut you off. I'm so sorry, but please. No, but your cut off was right on point. That's exactly it. And so like sometimes what I, I've said this before, and I think it's, I think that when I say it, people get a little her, 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 but I don't care. Mm -hmm. And what I say is, you know, I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa. I uh -huh. raised, I think in a very quote unquote, Ghanaian way, but I was raised in the rural South, so I definitely had the upbringing of an African American in in that regard. And there weren't other Ghanaians around us; there were very few other immigrants. And so I feel like I'm a true hybrid. Like I, mm -hmm. I understand the beauty and the pain and the and the the complexity of both of my identities in that way. And I too am also the descendant of slaves, courtesy of my father's um, bloodline. So I'm also a little bit different than other Africans who were like, well, I can trace my heritage back to blah, 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 blah. And we were, blah. I can't do any of that. And my mom's side, like my mom's mom is literally an orphan, right? So like, I can't even go further than my grandmother on one side. Mm -hmm. So I think that those are things that add complexity to my identity that when I show up in a relationship, I bring that history as well. And mm -hmm. I have met men who are black, who have, I feel like taken a fetish posture with me because I'm African. And I've had to dismiss that mess mm -hmm. because I'm not mm -hmm. gonna be fetishized in my house by anybody. I don't care if we are skin folk. So what we're not gonna do is be asking weird and ignorant questions. What we're not gonna be doing is you know, making assumptions or 
um, asking silly things about my native heritage. We're just not. You're going to have to focus on educating yourself. So, you know, some of my parameters, because there's not that many people I'm trying to date who are quote unquote of my actual tribe, right? right? So when it comes to this idea of interracial or inter-ethnic relationships, for me, all of my relationships have been that. Even when I've talked to other Africans, because they've not been yeah. from my country, yeah. my, my whatever. And mm -hmm. so I come into all relationships with this idea that there's going to be a give and take in this sharing of identity, which makes me open to a lot of things. But when I start seeing people talking about, well, this is what could happen if we had kids and this, uh, this ain't Build-A-Bear. This ain't Build-A-Bear. We're not building products. We not. And I think that, I think that that also comes from the slavery mindset. And I think yeah. that it comes from not just the slavery mindset, but the colonial mindset that occurs all over the place where we think we have to create something that is attractive, palatable, acceptable to the majority people. Because yeah. we understand the unspoken mm -hmm. power that it gives us to show up in a specific way. And I think a lot of people can't deconstruct and reconstruct their relationships around these truths because it's hurtful. And because then they have to hold up a mirror to themselves and say, how have I held up white supremacy? Mm. Myself included. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, there wasn't a time where maybe I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to need, um, I'm going to need a, a, maybe a dude with some hang time. For those of you who don't know what hang time is, it's when your hair can actually hang. So actual hang mm -hmm. time. Um, so for for so to, for those of us listening who may be working outside of the culture in which we're working in, that's what hang time is. Or if I wasn't like, ooh, I need somebody with a cute little like Puerto Rican puff, right? So I, I too, I too have said ignorant things. So I don't want anybody to be like, well, I blah blah blah. And so I I, I had to break down my understanding of why it is that maybe I was like, oh, I like people with this skin tone. Why is that so important to me? What does that do for me? How does that complete me? Why am I so attached to this idea? And there's nothing wrong with self-pride, self-love, and self-upholding, but there is something wrong with putting up walls and barriers against a group because you... You, that's not your preference or um, you don't understand it. And I, I feel like maybe it's a conversation we see a lot in our community around colorism. Yes. People yeah. who are like, well, I only date dark skinned dudes. Why? There's some very kind hearted, light skinned black men or light skinned yeah. men in general who are not black. Like, well, I, I, once again, I have your preference by all means. You know, my preference is for somebody who's fine. So, like, I got a preference too. I got a preference too. Like, I need you to look good, okay? Um, and have a nice set of teeth and be gamefully employed, okay? Praise God. Ooh, I love a nice That's, okay. Every all right. Every time. like, what? Like if you smile and it look like a light bulb got turned on, I'm like, hello, what is your name? Are you single? So I get it. I have preferences too, but my preferences in the past, maybe they've been, but now are not centered around some of the more like physical or physiological components that some other people, which I'm not judging, may stem their attraction from. And I think as a community, we've been very hurtful to one another based on what we look like 
and we've not addressed how that's continued to influence who we want to date and partner with. Mm-hmm. And I think it is very dangerous to not talk about your shortcomings because then you can never grow. And, um, you know, I think this conversation could keep going on forever and ever and ever. It can, it can. But I, I, know, I know our listeners are probably like on the edge of their seats, but they probably are like, I got to go back and do some work. So I, I want us to, to wrap up and I and, and I I always love to end my podcast with something hopeful, so I'm going to end it with something. Yeah. Hopeful. And what I want to say to folks who are listening is, let's start with love is love, and you are allowed to love whom you want. You are allowed to love how you want, and you are allowed to define how you show up. The only request is that we show up with empathy, with respect, and with kindness. And we create safety in our relationships. I think that uh, when I first thought about starting this podcast, it was about a way to tell stories that were different than mine and that were truths that others could really relate to. And I feel like the concept and the conversation around marriage is messy. It's complicated. But for folks out there who are listening, who want to get married, who believe that they're going to find that partner, I always say, Marriage seems like one of those things that is so incredibly tough. And it also seems like one of those things that is so incredibly evolving. And that when you can figure out how you sit within it, it's like any great relationship. When you put in the work, when you put in the transparency, the honesty, the clear expectations, agreements, and boundaries, I think it can be the kind of thing that makes life worth living. Because I honestly believe relationships of all kinds are what make existence glorious. So I think that, you know, let's end on that note. I'd love to hear what people's thoughts and comments are, though. So holla at your girl. You can find me at a sprinkling of grace with a period between A, then sprinkling, then grace on Instagram. You can also just get in my, go ahead, get in my inbox at grace mm-hmm. at a sprinkling of grace.com. And, you know, please don't send me no hate mail. I really, I just don't want nobody to be ugly to anybody, but especially don't be mean to me because then I'm about to come out the side of my neck. But what, uh, don't nobody want to see that? Blessed Lord. But I'd love to hear people's opinions and people's takes on this. This is an ongoing conversation. This is neither the beginning of this conversation nor even remotely close to the end. So I want y'all to come on and, you know, tell us, tell us what you're thinking. And I want y'all to support each other. So I want y'all to go ahead and holler at, at women womaning. Did that do that right? At women, woman. Yeah, you did. Blessed Lord. And I want you to see the folks that are being supported. I want you to check up check out the Woman Up Dinner series, which is of course evolving in the current COVID climate. I want y'all to holler at Chantel's YouTube, Chantel Chanty. Y'all go ahead and holler at that. Beauty, you know, fitness, everything is being addressed and covered. And I want you to support sis. And I just want y'all to support each other, right? This is In Love and Color, about dating while Black, but most important, we're talking about just spreading the love. So I want folks to stay hopeful, stay bright. And if y'all got a date for anybody on this podcast today, y'all go ahead, slide up in this DMs and y'all let us know, okay? Y'all know a God-fearing man who's ready for commitment? Chantel, your girl. So come on, okay? Let's <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Okay, let us let uh, let let the internet play matchmaker. I have faith in y'all. Anywho, everyone have a blessed day and catch us on the next episode of In Love and Color.